man. It's crazy. Gonzaga did all that. Oh. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Uh, you started. You, almost, you let that one off. No, we're good. No, we don't. We don't erase our mistakes. We keep it going. I didn't know you hit record. That's, it's all good. It's all good. You didn't say anything bad. Um, hot mic. Hot mic moment. That was my Gary Dolphin. Moment. Yeah, there hopefully you go. it never gets any worse than that. <laughs> Although he didn't even say anything bad. Go on. You done? Yep. We, I mean, we can keep it off the rails if you want. Nope. Okay. We're gonna try to keep this nice and tight. This is Matt Marinas from White and Blue Review. That's Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald. As you can see, we're mid-conversation already, but uh, we are sitting here courtside at the CHI Health Center. There we go. Got it right. Um, after Creighton's 103-92 loss to number one Gonzaga. Um, I guess, yeah, yeah uh, I got all that you teed off first. Um, your top-of-mind thoughts on what you saw today. Um, I think Creighton led for like 26 minutes, but yeah. obviously... The Zags started executing like the Zags in the second half and um, kind of took the game over there. Well, I think a couple things that I noticed um, on on defense, obviously it was tough to get a stop once uh, Zach Norvell started banging in threes, and he hit a couple tough shots, but he also hit a couple open ones. And once he got going and and, uh, and started feeling it, got a rhythm going, I mean, Creighton was putting so much attention because they were playing small, putting so much attention on, on Gonzaga's bigs. It was like they they had to give up something, and they gave up shots to Norvell when he was hitting. And so that, to me, was big. And actually, you know what? When he missed, it felt like they got a lot of offensive boards. Now I'd have to go through the box score. How many of his misses they rebounded? Well, I know at one point um, Gonzaga had um, – seven offensive boards on 17 opportunities in the mm-hmm. second half. So the first 17 opportunities, they had seven offensive boards. So that's too many. And I thought Creighton did a good job in the first half on the glass, gang rebounding, and it just gave up a couple extra chances to Gonzaga, which which were costly. And then Yeah, the, the ones in the second half felt back-breaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially because that's when Gonzaga was making its push. Yep. And you needed a stop, and you got one, but then you didn't get the rebounded. And you had to play defense for 15 more seconds or so. We didn't do that. Apparently, we got some music going now. A little party? I don't know, I guess. Is this new? They don't do this, do they? Oh, here it comes. Coming down. Coming down. I don't understand what's happening. I don't either. This is highly unusual. Gonna, gonna wait for it to stop. Just anyway, you're controlling this. Um, I don't. Know, I'll, I'll just. Uh, I'll yeah. just keep talking. Talk about music. It's yeah. nice little background music. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it comes across. A little theme song. For yeah. The Why not? We didn't choose it, but we'll take it. Um, so defensively, they didn't get enough stop, stops. Obviously, that was a key. But then on offense, um, there was that little stretch there after the game. Um, after Gonzaga made his push. Took the lead. Creighton took it back. Gonzaga took it back. Creighton took it back. You know, there was that six-possession stretch where the lead changed hands six times. And then Creighton um, hit that hit that wall offensively. Um, there, I think it was, uh, it, was a, it was a stretch where Gonzaga went on a 12-2 run. And Creighton was one of nine from the floor, committed three turnovers, and just lost pace. I mean, at that point, they were... Um, they they were they had been dug they dug themselves a hole and they couldn't get out of it, um, not against an offense like that. So it was it was imperative in this game for Creighton to avoid any cert, like just lulls offensively because you knew Gonzaga was going to score a lot, yeah. and they hit one, and it was in the middle of the second half. 
too late for them to recover from. Which which and, was which was like a tough thing too because I honestly didn't feel like the I mean I didn't feel like the lull they hit was anything that they weren't doing in the first half too. Like Gonzaga was gonna took away things that they like to do. Um and Creighton had to hit some tough shots to build that lead in the first place. And I just, I don't know, I think maybe um, the legs got a little tired a little bit maybe uh, with the pace of the game, obviously, but, you know, Creighton was still trying to take some of those shots that built, that helped them build the lead. They just didn't hit them. Um, but I think you can probably point to some some instances instances where certain guys probably forced some. Uh, I think Damian Jefferson took a couple that weren't necessarily shots he's normally taking and making in games. Um so that was out of the ordinary, and those led to misses and runouts by Gonzaga. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to pick apart too much from an offense that scored 92 points, but <laughs> there, there were things that there were things that they did offensively that contributed to um, Gonzaga taking control of the game, and and shot selection was probably top of the list, I guess, probably. Yeah. Well, and I think Coach McDermott brought it up in the press conference. There were three turnovers in a row during that yeah, stretch were, that we're talking that about. That was a big stretch. And sure. he was like, yeah, we had two dunks, but they just either got deflected. We couldn't get the ball to our guys, basically. Um, if, if they would have been able to complete the pass, it, they were dunks, but couldn't get it, get it through the defense. So those three turnovers in a row, two uh, attempts at, at getting the ball inside the big guys, and I think Davion got stripped in the in the backcourt on one of them too, but so those are those are big, and I don't know. Yeah, there were a couple forced jumpers. I think maybe Davion had a mid-range he missed, and, and Tyshawn shot an air ball. Um, they got they had a uh, one possession where they got a couple offensive boards, and they had two or three chances inside, and they couldn't get it. So I mean, it wasn't it wasn't awful, and like you said, it wasn't too much of a very uh, or they didn't deviate too much from the plan. And from what I thought, they got a little bit maybe one on oney that's a word you know like they, yep, yeah. they got lured into that a little bit um I th- but I, th- I feel like Martin Crumple had a, a moment in there where he went one-on-one on the on the guy but then again he had a couple of moments in the first half where he went one-on-one and scored you know so mm-hmm. it just it's just magnified when you're in a game but like Dickens, this. But Dickens like lulled them into that they say hey a little come, bit they say hey you want I'll a firefight let's have a firefight you be you go, we'll go one for one We'll go one-on-one with you for 40 minutes, and we'll see who wins. Uh, yeah, but I think that they made the switch. Um, Coach Few told us after the game that they made a switch in the second half to try to get Creighton inside more. Like, they tried to get allow them to go. They're trying to push them off the three-point line, basically. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to crowd them. And I think the idea was if if we get beat off the dribble, it's okay. We'll, we'll help inside, and we want to make them hit tough twos yeah. or, or – score try to score at the rim as opposed to hitting threes and so perhaps Gonzaga had a little bit to do with it mm-hmm. but um, I mean ultimately though like Gonzaga's offense is really good it is. and I feel like that game kind of played out similar to what I thought it would in that Gonzaga has better individual talent has a better offense mm-hmm. and the better offense won mm-hmm. so the fact that uh um, Norvell was hitting three pointers, made a big difference, um, and and it added a little bit more uh, variety to what Gonzaga was doing. Can we talk about him for so. a second? Because you've seen him up close now twice. Yeah, both games um, against Creighton, where he took over in the second half. I mean, in a big way, like not just you know, fifteen or so points here in a hot stretch to 
you know, put together one big run that switches the game, like took over entire halves. So what have you what have you noticed out of his game in the two second halves that Creighton has kind of lost the grip on the game against the Zags um, that he's been able to do to get going and when they need him? I well, guess. I thought it was him and Josh Perkins both out of halftime both had this different mentality of like how, how they were going to attack Creighton's guards who oftentimes because they were trying to help inside and, and they were switching things like a lot of times Creighton when you know you're in a closeout situation I feel like that Jay's guards that's a tough place to be as a defender and it just felt like they Gonzaga didn't attack Creighton as with enough oomph mm-hmm. in the first half and they those I thought those two guys really looked to um, exploit sort of Creighton's I mean, they had to. They had, Creighton had to have a lot of attention on pay a lot of attention to what Gonzaga's big squad doing. And you had I mean if there were times when a guard a lot of times, almost every possession it seemed like where a guard was matched up against a big, whether he was trying to front him or uh, just fight him for position down low. And when that and when that act when that's occurring, the other the guard on that other side of the floor, another player on that side of the floor is aware of it and you know, has to kind of in his mind think, all right, I got to go help if that big gets the ball. I mean, it can't be one on one against guard. That's a bucket. Mm-hmm. So they, I got to help in that scenario. And I think, um, you know, as a defender, that can be tough because you also have to stay close to your guy. And I thought, I just thought that Gonzaga's guards, shoot, even Kispert, they, they just looked more shot ready, more willing to attack. And obviously, yeah, Norvell, he seems like a rhythm player. Like his, the first play of the second half, they ran it for him. Um, caught him like maybe off a curl or something, and he immediately went downhill and got an AM one. And the next play was like a, I don't know what it was. It was a, it was a shot on the wing, maybe a um, a flare screen or, or some sort of some sort of screen to get him open, to get him some space off Tyshawn, and he buried a three. And so it was like those two buckets right off the bat in the second half, and he was like he was good. Yeah. And and he shot himself out of the rhythm as the half wore on actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he made five of his first six threes in the they second were, half. They were big they were, too. They, they were. By that by that point, I mean when he, he hit helped, his, he helped extend the lead and then Creighton was chasing right. When he hit his way. fifth three, it was eighty one seventy three. Yes, that I was mean, a big shot. That was and yeah, he took some bad shots after that. And I guess in his mind they're okay because he can make tough ones, but the damage was already done, basically. Yes, agreed, and so um, Yeah, I think I just think that there's so much that you had that Creighton had to take away. They're going to leave something there, mm-hmm. and the guy that had the best advantage in that game was Norvell, and he didn't take advantage of it in the first half. He did in the second. That's ball game, pretty much. Uh, let's. I want to talk about Tyshawn Alexander for a little bit here, uh, and the, but I also want to close with um, what we heard from Davion Vince and Mitch Ballack after the game too, because I think that's. I think that's probably going to be the the takeaway going forward, certainly into this Nebraska week here. Um, but starting with Tyshawn, you know, twenty seven points and eleven of twenty two, you know, five assists, only one turnover in thirty six minutes. That's a really good line for a sophomore to have against a team like this with as much wing perimeter talent that as Gonzaga has and athleticism. Um, it certainly was a superstar like performance out of him. But I, but you know, there's going to be things on film that he sees where he probably could have done different things, even on possessions where he made shots. And and now we're going to kind of get into this territory where we kind of have to uh, try to do the Marcus Foster barometer where, like, is that a smart play or mm-hmm. is that just a 
Because he's is that just because he's a star and he can make that? He's play like, like literally proven now that he can make some tough right. shots. I remember at the start of the year, you and I were like, "Well, that's a Marcus Foster shot. You, you probably shouldn't be taking that." And he's kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. not." And but he's starting There's a track record now, though. Yeah. He's established himself mm-hmm. as that type of player where he can do that. So, like, what do you how how much do you take away positive from Tyshawn tonight versus what maybe is still there in in terms of his learning curve of you know when to be ultra aggressive versus like when to probe and when to get into the teeth of the defense and look for teammates and things like that yeah it's a good question because I don't even know if I have a great handle on it I, either, I, I yeah. feel like I need to probably watch that game and and probably just watch more games with of him because I don't know if there's if he's really found the right flow because we talk a lot about this offense not necessarily I mean in, in an ideal world I think that the Jays would prefer there's no go-to guy because of how um, they have it set up they want to move the ball around and create for one another and the person who's open is the go-to guy mm-hmm. like you don't need it you don't need to create offense for just one individual person you you're just running offense and the idea is if you if everyone's in that attack mentality looking for each other that somebody's going to be open something on will it. open up right. eventually and yes. it may not be Tyshawn it may be force the divas to right. make the mistake for you yeah, yeah. because they will because if you right. if you have good ball movement and the way that they run offense gets good floor spacing with shooters everywhere the defense at some point is going to leave somebody open and yep. you just find it and so that's the ideal world but I do think that um in games like this and games where it's going to come down to crunch time you're going to have to find you're going to have to go to somebody and somebody's going to have to be your star and I think he's emerged as that guy no doubt but now that's the, now that's but the question is it's like how much does he sort of how far does he take that and, yeah. and like you were saying what shot well, because you've you've you're you have a thought that he probably possibly has a higher ceiling than Marcus did I did, in this yeah. system. So like, there's, but there's so obviously now he's reaching some of that potential, but there's room to grow as well. There's yeah. room to still get better. At. Right. Um, I, I, I mean, he sees the floor really well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really clever, uh, sort of recognizing angles and getting into the teeth of defense. He gets off the floor pretty quickly. He's not as he's not as explosive as Marcus, but yeah. he's still got um, enough of a burst. And um, and I think he's a good enough a, athlete. To and, and you mentioned that craftiness. I think he's hard guy to to size up from a shot blocker perspective because I don't think he gets his. I don't think he gets in trouble enough um, at the rim. He's got really good balance, but he's also long, so that helps him. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he gets in trouble too much down there, which I think right. is a good thing because. He certainly can score in a multitude of ways, and that's one of them. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought he had, he had a good game. I, I know he that did. there were some shots that he probably, when he looks at it on film, were like, yeah, "I forced it there." Mm-hmm. But um, well, especially once I think is I think the the legs were gone in the second half. And, it seemed like it, you know. So like some of those deep ones that he was cashing in the first were way short in the second. So that's probably yeah. one he'll probably look at those and go, "I probably should have got inside." Yeah. And, you know, one thing... Jump stopped and sprayed it a one, little bit. Creighton's starting lineup was good. Um, all those guys, I feel like, played pretty well. But I am surprised that the bench didn't get more work. I mean, just just the idea that Tyshawn and <coughs> You mean Damian, like seeing three guys over 30? Yeah, 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 I just didn't yeah, expect to see that. That's the first time all, game, all season. Is it really? Yeah, I think they've okay. had two guys consistently every time, but um, not three. Yeah, that, that to me was surprising. Um, and... Obviously, I know that there was foul trouble with the bigs in the first half, but um, it just—I thought maybe—I uh, I thought maybe going to—I mean, Davion and, and Marcus Zagorowski basically split time at the point guard pretty evenly, and mm-hmm. Davion played some at the two as well. 
but uh, we didn't see much of Connor Cashaw or Caleb Joseph, not until the end for Caleb, um, which to me was a little bit surprising, but... Mm. You know that I don't know if that really matters much. Well, there might have been the an opportunity. There might have been an opportunity there to. I guess if you're going to play at that pace, you got to yeah. you got to use your depth. Otherwise, you're going to wear your own. Team I guess that too, I so guess yeah. that's the thing is maybe 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 fatigue. Five guys over thirty. You had a chance right. to put. Them. Maybe fatigue did play a factor in that stretch in the second half where, uh, you know, Creighton went like I don't know. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They went nine possessions, with two points. Maybe that was the stretch where you could have just brought in the bench, the reserves, and mm-hmm. they halfway through that. Yeah, and, yeah. maybe. Just but the time there was also Creighton also called a timeout in the middle of that, and um, so they had time to sort of reset. I thought both to... coaches did a good job of like stopping momentum with breaks and um, regroup sessions, if you will. Like it didn't seem like either team let the other get too far away. Yeah, well, I thought because yeah, I thought I mean I, I think in the first half Creighton had an opportunity. Gonzaga was. In foul trouble and gassed. I thought Creighton had a chance to put a big lead on them. Um, but Gonzaga just kept punching back, kept scoring enough, like staying in the fight. Yeah. Um, you know, a few would call timeouts. Um, and then when Gonzaga was starting to get away, you know, I thought Creighton did a good job um, of, of stopping their momentum and making enough plays to keep the game within striking distance to the point where they could go offense for defense in, you know, in the final minute and foul and, press and try to create turnovers and get extra possessions. Like, I don't think the game, for as much control as Gonzaga was in, I don't feel like it was over. I think, you know, there was opportunities for Creighton to still, you know, rally with a turnover and a three and whatever. Um, I, I just don't think the fight ever ended until it was until there were zeros on the clock, I guess, even though it felt like watching it that Gonzaga was in control and not necessarily panicking. Right. Man, I'm just looking at my notes, and I just see that Gonzaga's run in the second half was bigger than I thought. Their run in the second half? Yeah. Well, because and Creighton's drought lasted a little bit longer. Had a couple more possessions. So they technically went 1 of 11 for that stretch with three turnovers. Mm. And it was a, you know, a pretty big run for Gonzaga. 16 to 3, I think was the run. Over about six minutes. After Davion's dunk, right? No, it was after uh, the and one for Samson Froling that put oh, Creighton yes. back up. Creighton, yeah, yeah. Creighton jumped back ahead 73 72, and, um, and then that's where the offense sort of uh, hit that hit that lull. And Gonzaga, and Gonzaga wasn't incredibly efficient during that stretch either, but they still uh, they went on a 16 to 16 to 3 round. That was it. Um, I, I, yeah, let's uh, talk about uh, the feedback we got from what's up, Tom? From uh, Davion Mintz and uh, yeah. Mitch Ballack here. Uh, because there's going to be a tendency, I think, from the outsider's perspective to take a lot of positives away from the fact that Creighton, you know, played, what, 30 minutes with the number one team in the country and and then you look at the – you zoom out to the preseason where not a lot of people expect a lot out of Creighton this year, picking up ninth in the Big East and all those sorts of things. Um, so there's going to be a tendency to, like, lean positive out of this, but I don't get that sense from the players. No. Um, which is interesting because I feel like they can take some positives away from this, but they're taking it really hard. I mean, Davion and 
Mitch were, I mean, Mitch flat out said, forget all the positives. Like, forget every single positive. Like, we know what we can do offensively, so that's not something that we have to build off of because we know we're capable of that in the first place. So that's our foundation. Um, And he talked about the stretch where we struggled offensively and didn't get stops. That's where... We need to grow. That we was, need to we because the difference in the game. It was it was, it was the yeah. difference in the game. It was the stretch for six minutes in the second half where we just. Now I'm going to say we like we we as Mitch's perspective. I, yeah, yeah I know sorry about that. I didn't know if that yeah, came out that way. That's the one that we were just talking about. It's just this that stretch where, um, where Gonzaga got what it wanted to, and gained some separation. And yeah, you're right. Like Mitch Ballack was pretty adamant about, you know. The good is fine, but like this team, this program has shown that it can do that sort of thing. And it like it would have been a major disappointment if they weren't in this game to, mm-hmm. in their in those guys' eyes. Like mm-hmm. if they didn't have a shot on their home floor against the number one team in the country, like that would have that would have said more than just playing these guys tough. Mm-hmm. I think that in their mind they want they want to take that next step, which means finding a way to do all the little things, especially on the defensive end. Uh, to get a win in a game like this. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, he said it and Davion Mitt said it. And I feel like Tyshawn Alexander and, and yeah, Tyshawn, Damian Jefferson yep. both kind of alluded yep. to it in the press conference too. That like, And I guess they, they, I imagine they talked about it in the locker room. Just, you know, at some point you got to raise the standard. It, some of the things that led to the loss are things that have been evident at times yeah. over the course of, the, the last same year things, or so. the same reasons you're losing. Yeah, right? like eventually, your identity can be one thing, but it also has to evolve if you want to take the next right. step. So yeah, you have to be able to hang your hat on multiple facets of right. the game, because um, that's how teams take that jump. Because there are, I think Mitch made the point is like there's going to be stretches in games where you don't score, like you make a good shot, you just don't hit them, mm-hmm. and they probably would have preferred that it didn't last as long. The quote unquote drought in the second half didn't last as long, but it did. So how do you? respond to that on the other end and I think that the message that these guys are going to carry or like maybe the lesson that they're going to learn from this or that they hope to learn from it is that they got to find a way to dig in and still play with a high energy and focus mm-hmm. and effort defensively even if you know the other team's kind of making a push it's like instead of it's almost like trying to take the take back control of the game defensively instead of relying on your offense to mm-hmm. make the push, you know? Because you mentioned during that run, if, if if during that run while Creighton's not scoring or while the drought is happening, um, if they're able to string stops together, neither, you know, you're not you're not giving, you're not losing rhythm and giving it to the other team. Yeah. It's just kind of like lost at the moment, and whoever can grab it next is probably going right. to be able to take control of the game. But to lose, like, and I thought he made a really good point in the analysis of the entire season. He says, when when our offense doesn't when when we're in funks offensively, we just take hits is what he said, and that's true because you see teams put runs together. So it's like Creighton is like has these games and, where it's like spurty. You know right. what I mean? And part of that's just and, basketball and, because basketball is sort of that. Right. You know, like a team, especially a team like Gonzaga. If you don't score, that means they're getting the rebound and they're running. And so it's like if you do. Gonzaga, in their mind, they're like, we want to, we want our defense to sort of lead us into our offense. Like that sparks us. So, it, it, it part of it is that, but the I, I think Mitch's point is like decrease the effectiveness of or the length of those runs. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being a sixteen to three 
spurt, yeah. it's now eight to three. Like our droughts don't have to lead to their barrages <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because if they were able to get some stops, who knows? Maybe they would have been able to ignite their offense again. And it yeah, because then, because then, the th- I mean, if they're able to get stops during that stretch, then the three that Mitch hits and the and the yeah. slip by Jacob turns that maybe into a one possession game instead of a two possession right. game or a three but, possession game. Yeah. Like, that's but it's interesting though. Even I'm looking at it right now one two three four. They did actually get four straight stops during that stretch. During the sixteen to three run, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. They, uh, Did they score on any of them? They scored on a couple. Okay. But it was already, by the time they got four straight stops, they were, they were already down 11. Oh, okay. So. So the damage had already been done as you Sort said. of, yeah, yeah. It had been, but. Yeah, the, uh, that's the, that's sort of the takeaway that I had from it. Mm-hmm. So next is, I think we should just maybe end this with a little bit of a look ahead. Sure. Next yeah. is Nebraska one week from today, right? December 8th, yeah? That's correct. Yeah. Um, that's down in Lincoln, obviously. That's a, you know, I mean, it's going to be a huge game, a huge week for both teams. Um, Nebraska needs it probably to, to to continue to take that jump towards building an NCAA tournament resume, and Creighton obviously wants to wash this taste out of their mouth and get back on track and not, you know, give up that winning streak they have over their in-state rival while also themselves building this play tournament resume because they internally feel like those are their baseline expectations. Oh, yeah. Regardless of where the rest of the league thinks they'll fall. Um, were they so picked ninth? They were picked ninth. Oh, man. Yeah, below Seton Hall, who I don't know. Yeah, and Xavier, who look really bad right now. But anyway. Um, it's gonna, The Big East is going to be fun, man. There's a lot of teams that seem to be a little bit better than they are. And I don't know about fun because I think there's some bad basketball being played <laughs> by some teams right yeah, now. Oh, let's look at next week. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're the, right, the, though. It, it's it's an important. Well, the bragging rights is always important, right? Locally, right. and and that means something to the team and the program. But resume, but I think I think separate. Resume. I think separate from that. I think these two two teams isolated who they are right now is important for both of them. Yeah. yeah. From a resume standpoint, yes. from a confidence standpoint, yeah. you don't want to lose two in a row ever. Um, and the style that Nebraska plays is a style that Creighton's going to see in the Big East. Yes. So how do they respond to that? Um, what Montana did, I feel like Nebraska will try to do, but probably be a little bit better at it, just in terms of putting pressure on you and, and trying to make you uncomfortable and disrupt what you're doing from a rhythm standpoint. I think Nebraska's going to try to do that, whether they um, you know, really extend out in their man-to-man or they try to, to run, throw some zone at Creighton. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even press a little bit, you know, like they're going to try to make Creighton uncomfortable and there are going to be teams in the Big East that are going to do the exact same thing. They're just going to use try to use their athletes to knock Creighton uh, out of, you know, off kilter a little bit. Yeah. And, I think the... And so that, to me, is going to be interesting to see how they respond to that. Yeah, I think the one through one is going to be a big, big strategy for Nebraska in this next game, or against Creighton, because they don't... I don't think they want to run... I don't think they have the horses to run with Creighton. So I think if they get into a man-to-man, up-and-down type of game, um, and certainly Creighton's motion runs better against man-to-man than against zone. You, I mean, they have, they, it's not like they're not effective against the zone defense, despite what people think, but it, it certainly slows down their pace, even in the half court. We, I don't remember who what Coach brought it up this, earlier this year, but their pace in the half court Chris is... Chris Holtman. Yeah. So their pace in the half court is... When, when people talk about Creighton's pace, it's not necessarily... End line to end line, it's sideline to sideline yeah. in the quarter court when they're you know getting you chasing and getting you switching and trying to find openings to break you down. Um, that to me, I think Nebraska needs to is going to have to try to 
curtail that. Yeah. And I think the one three one with their length and their athleticism is probably their best way to do it. And what's you know the other kind of sneaky subplot is the fact that Creighton has a full week to prepare and rest up and recover, mm-hmm. whereas Nebraska's playing twice between now and Saturday. Mm-hmm. They got Illinois on Sunday and at Minnesota on Wednesday. That adds a little bit of a a different challenge, especially for a team like Nebraska doesn't have a lot of depth. You yes, know, to have right. A third game and and, it, and, and the Illinois game is going to be up and down too. Right. So like that's be tough. Yeah, that, those, yeah. that's going to test their legs and their stamina for sure. This um, was fun though. Today, man, today was great. Like crowd was just, really good. I mean, from the jump, they were ready to go. Tyshawn hitting that three helps. Um, <laughs> well, they but they, I, thought, I mean everything got going. And then the game got up and down. So like yeah, yeah it was just a really fun game to watch. Um, Davion's dunk was probably the the highlight in terms of the crowd sort of reacting yeah. with a roar. Um, they also had that stretch in the first half where I think they scored three straight buckets and pushed the lead to 11 or 12. <coughs> um, and and forced Gonzaga. Yeah, it was 34-23 is what it was. Right, right. And, and Gonzaga had to call a timeout. So this place There's is... A lot, I mean, there was a lot of, like, things you watch where you're like, ooh, man... Creighton's got something. Like, you know, if Samson Folding comes in and checks in immediately and hits a corner three out of baseline out of bounds in front yeah. of Gonzaga's bench, like, okay, Sam, <laughs> all right, do you. <laughs> and, like, and then, you know, he was really aggressive after that. And, uh, you know, Damian Jefferson was attacking those shot blockers with his, I mean, acti- his, his activity his around normal the fearlessness, but it was yeah. also intel. I think he was attacking intelligently. Yeah. And that was a big point of emphasis during the week because Creighton felt like in the second half last year, they were just attacking relentlessly yeah. instead of, you know, intelligently, and then Gonzaga had a block party. So, I, I, you know, one thing I will say too about Gonzaga is they just, and it might have had something to do with Josh Perkins. I think you got to give him credit. The dude had he was thirteen and one today, thirteen assists to one turnover. Yeah, he's really good. Like his uh, at, at controlling it too. The game. Yeah, at controlling the the pace of the game. Like he had a good sense of when to really push it and to get on Creighton and when to just pull it back and say, look, like, we're in a good spot. Let's just get a good shot type. Mm-hmm. Let's make Creighton work a little bit. Let's let the crowd sort of sit on their hands for a second, mm-hmm. and let's get a good shot. I thought I thought his experience really helped Gonzaga sort of weather the storm. And, you know, I'll have to go back and look at it, but, I, like, there were moments where, you know, where Creighton, we mentioned that 34-23 to 23 surge. Right after that, Gonzaga answered with a 6-0 run. Yep. Uh, when Davion had his big dunk, uh, I think – Gonzaga called a timeout. They were down seven early in the second half. Gonzaga calls a timeout. Next possession, their first possession out of the timeout, Norvell hits a three. Mm-hmm. Like, Gonzaga had a really good uh, – like, they were their responses were very timely. They made sure that even though Creighton – things were rolling at the time for the Jays, they never lost sort of touch with them. And then eventually um, they found a way to make enough plays. But I thought, I thought Gonzaga's just sort of, like, composure – was impressive, and mm-hmm. I guess it's probably not too unexpected for the nation's number one team that just that played Duke. No, but I'll tell you what, though, was, they're not even full strength yet. Yeah, like that's no. that's the that's the scary thing about that team is yeah. like, I, you know, I didn't go into this game like expecting Creighton to win it. I thought, I think any game Creighton plays in this arena, they have a chance in. No yeah, matter who they're that. playing. I agree with that. Um, but watching how talented Gonzaga was, how effective they are at doing what they do. And then realizing that they're not at full strength makes like me but, think that I know. They, but I mean, they have so much more potential. What I'll say though, but what I'll say though is when you have when you play all five of your starters for more than thirty minutes, like Gonzaga did. Yeah, that's. I mean, depth wasn't a problem today. 
or the lack of depth was. Those guys were able to, for whatever reason. You know, I agree with you. Well, that the, the, I mean, a seventy-six possession game—that's a lot. Like it, I know, but they handled it. That's they did. They did. Saying. That's what I mean. That's what's impressive. Oh, okay. I guess. Yeah, I'm not trying to like criticize their style. I, oh, okay. I think I'm impressed by what they're able to do in any type of tempo. Because I thought, like, mm-hmm. I, I, that's what I meant by, like, Perkins had a really good feel of when to do what. Because, and he never looked like he was losing it. You know what I mean? He never lose, looked like he was losing his grip on the game yeah. in terms of how he was controlling it. He knew when to run. He knew when to slow it down. Um, and, and the whole game was just a matter of no matter what we're doing, whether we're pushing it or not, execute. And they did. I mean, yeah. you know, he 13 assists to one turnover from that guy. I mean, and he was in foul trouble. Like, you know yeah. I mean? Like, if he's able... You know, if he's able to, 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 to impose that on the rest of the game, you know, it's probably a different story. And, and they still scored 103 points. Like, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm really impressed with that guy. I think, I mean, I, it's for crazy. as much as Hachimura is talented and Clark is talented and Norvell is a big-time shot maker with confidence, like, I mean, 6 of 17, you have to be incredibly confident to take that many threes <laughs> when you're not hitting them. But, uh, you know, Perkins is the engine right there. Like, yeah. he... Everything goes through that guy. And it's crazy because he wasn't a point guard last year. I know. And Silas yeah. Wilson was their point guard. And he it's was crazy. like a shooting guard that in the Creighton game he didn't even play because Tyree Thomas locked him up and then he was done. Mm-hmm. His transformation, incredible. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know, his. we talked about his aggressiveness, but he also did a really good job of getting shots to or, or putting getting the ball to Norvell in a scoring position too. So, like, he set up his teammates well, especially Norvell. Okay. Uh, that's about all we can do in terms of dissecting this one. Um, We're crunched for time. Otherwise, yeah, we probably we would talk for like two hours. Because that was a great, that was a fun game. It was a fun game. We probably could have like picked a. We probably could have gone down Gonzaga's roster and <laughs> Gushed over roster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, we'll be back. Obviously, the season's got a lot of uh, games left in it, so a lot to break down, a lot to, uh, a lot to learn, a lot to see. Um, but until then, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. As always. Uh, check out John's work at Omaha.com. Um, buy a newspaper. Subscribe. Six ninety nine a month right now is the subscription fee for sports only. Sports only, which is you know, I mean, let's be honest, it's pretty much what what John does. So like, yeah, that's, all, mean, that's all. That's all he needs to sell. I mean, unless you want to know what's going on in your community, you know that that kind of thing. Are you gonna write some community articles? I'm are you not, volunteer? I, you have a community now, like me. Ralston area, <laughs> like. True. Yeah, you got an arena down the street from you that uh, people hate to death. Like, you yeah. could write about that. That's sportsy. It's an arena, right? right? You yeah, like, go to a hockey game, like, no one's here. This is a waste of money type of deal. Um, anyway, I'm in La Vista, so I don't have to worry about that. Uh, yeah, and then check out our work at whiteandbluereview.com, obviously. Um, we're going to head over to volleyball here, but we'll have post game for this stuff. Um, John and I both will. And then, obviously, volleyball is taking on Washington tonight, so uh, check out all the post game news and notes, recaps and notebooks from that. Um, Until next time, have a good one.